Tacky Talk Time here with State Representative Tacky Chan of Quincy joining us. Hey, good morning, Tacky. Hey, Joe. Good to see you again on this wonderful Wednesday. <laughs> yes, and this longest month of the year, pretty much. <laughs> it's 31 days. We lose an hour of sleep. There's hardly any holidays except for St. Patrick's Day. So, yeah, it's a long month. <laughs> it is going to be a long month. Uh, we really don't realize how many stay in for our holidays we are until you get to months like March. Uh, and you also realize your uh, your kids are in school, though, so you don't have to worry about this month. Uh, although snow days may still happen, uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah, the, was it the winds of March? April showers give you May flowers. I mean, it's not becoming March snowstorms in April. In April, uh, it was it March winds and April showers gives you May flowers. It's gonna be March snowstorms and April showers gives you maybe some May flowers where things are going. It's, it's, yeah, who knows? Seems like winter is just getting started now for Grand Loud. I know it's, it's very strange. I still have my ice melt ready to go and my shovels have not been put away. Yeah, exactly. No, never. Uh, but uh, not slowing down at Beacon Hill, right? It's starting to get busy, actually. It has. Uh, we talked about last week, the governor has uh, filed their budgets um, and the, uh, they passed the supplemental budget last week, which is sitting in the Senate right now, pending approval. From the Senate before sending to the governor, they have made changes in the Senate by adding a substantial number of bond authorizations. So I suspect conversations are already underway between the chairs of ways and means about these additional bond authorizations that uh, the Senate is looking for. Um, and also uh, the public hearings by House and when Ways, Ways and Means chairs have begun, as well as the committee members on Ways and Means. And as per a tradition, uh, the Ways and Means Chairs does allow uh, members of Ways and Means Committee to chair hearings in communities they are in the same region of. So, for example, if you're a member of Ways and Means in the western part of the state, let's just pick Orange as a random town in Western Mass. Um, actually, that's Northwest Mass. But uh, you know, if you're you know having a hearing in uh, in the vicinity of that town, and you're on Ways and Means from that town. You know, they'll let you chat at hearing since you're in your own geographic zone. Um, so that's that's a continued tradition that uh, has been ongoing for many years. I remember the first time I got sent to it was in Fitchburg State. Michael Morrissey, when I worked for him, sent me to Fitchburg State for a hearing to cover the hearing uh, and uh, ran straight into a snowstorm in our snowstorm back. It took like almost three three plus hours to get from Fitchburg back to Quincy in a snowstorm. I, this was before cell phones. I had to find a landline like you know, to call the office, like, what's going on, guys, and, and this weather, and they're like, you know, it's it's getting bad, you have to sit through this whole hearing, and uh, and remember, uh, Senator, um, oh, God, my, my memory's still leaving, leaving these days, um, uh, Paul White was there, and, and Senator White's like, we're getting out of here, he's from Boston, and he's like, we're leaving, it's like, like 1130, it's like, we should get out of here too. I'm like, wow. yeah, better get out of here. This, these, these are the days when you borrow your mother's car back in the, the younger <laughs> days. So I remember that like three plus hour drive. We had no cell phones. There was no visibility. You know, was, times have changed. Indeed. Yeah. We couldn't communicate like we're doing right now. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. There was also no recordings of the such and there was no website to put recordings on. So yep. again, dating myself, uh, you know, pre-email, pre-modern internet, um and how things used to be and i sound like the old guy in the hill now because i keep telling the new kids it's like you don't know how good you have it <laughs> what a time to be alive <laughs> exactly <laughs> a lot of the rules and time frames we do today is the same rules and time frames that i worked under when i first got there in 95 
And uh, it, I just find it can be done faster because of technology. Back in the day when we're doing typewriters, yes, I still don't know what typewriter is, folks, and we did use them. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, the schedule has never changed, truly. I mean, there's some dates moving around here and there regarding Joint Route 10 bill reporting. But, you know, for the most part, you know, amendment filing deadlines and things like that, you know, were fairly consistent. The biggest change we have today is, um, and I, I know I'm getting a little bit inside baseball, is uh, amendment dues time tends to be the day before uh, a session. Uh, I, was, I was still around when we used to file amendments on the fly, on the floor, writing them right now, wow. uh, which was actually quite more exciting. And it was a better educational, educational experience from my standpoint, because you're constantly reacting what's going on in the floor session. Yeah, uh, And it was still, I mean, it was orderly. It wasn't like chaotic. I mean, yeah. it was like, Playing everywhere, I mean, there is a structure to it, but it required you to pay much more attention because you had to decide quickly if you're going to react or not react to what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's a perfect segue into uh, a topic we should talk about is uh, planned by the state auditor to audit the state legislature. Yeah, it does be interesting. Uh, her predecessor, Suzanne Bump, made it clear that you can't audit the legislature. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Audit Nucci has passed away. But I, he's also from the legislature, both Suzanne Bump and Nucci, Audit Nucci. We also quote equals in government in the sense that we're elected constitutional officers, you know, the equal branches of government. Um, they're designated powers by the Constitution. And uh, while the auditor can, you know, audit the, the various aspects of the executive branch because the legislature gives her the power to do so, um, she doesn't have the power, for example, to audit a city, uh, to my knowledge, um, a municipality. Uh, again, another type of subversion government unless the legislature allows it to do so. So it would be very curious to see how this plays out with her. Um, to my knowledge, in my time frame, I've never seen this happen. Um, perhaps this may have happened a long time ago, but I have no idea. Maybe in supposedly age. in 1922. Uh, I, I don't have any, you know, paperwork from that, but supposedly that's the last time it happened. So yeah, supposedly. Um, and uh, like I said, the legislation does dictate the powers of the auditor, uh, but it also co-equal branches of government, which leads to the next inter- interesting question. I don't actually have an easy answer for. It's regarding suing each other in court as co-equal branches of government. So, um, I mean, I've had a kind of a unique experience because in the attorney general's office, we worked in ratepayer advocacy, which is the old utilities division. And I was paid by ratepayers at the time. Well, actually not time, still is. They're not paid by taxpayer money. That little division of the AG's office is not paid by taxpayers. It's coming out of your gas and electric bill. So technically it's a ratepayer office. It means that since you're paid by the ratepayers, that section of the AG's office interest is not the taxpayer interest, it's the interest of customers because of the nature of the pay and the mission statement by the legislature. So when the DPU puts a ruling out that the, that the division doesn't like, we can sue the DPU, which means we're suing the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and we go straight to the Supreme Judicial Court. And my experience there was that the attorney general would have to defend the DPU because it is the Commonwealth. Right. And then you would have to provide a special counsel to DPU that's firewalled from the rest of the AG's office. Completed. Makes sense because she's an elected or he is an elected official. Yeah. Yeah. And also a co-equal government. Also, it's the Commonwealth. You can't sue yourself. Right. Right. I mean, it's yeah. kind of common sense. You can't yeah. sue literally yourself. But given the unique nature of that division and how they're paid and their mission statement, um, we could. 
because we're not part of the Commonwealth in a conventional manner regarding our funding source. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was actually there to witness this happen. I was very fortunate to do that in the sense I got some experience and observation of how this works. That's how come I know how this works. Um, but I mean, if you're all um, you know, inside government, you're part of the same government, you can't really sue yourself. Right. Yeah. It's one of one of the provisions of the auditor's um audit, I guess, is claims that the legislature is not subject to open meeting law. Is that true? We are subject. It's a constitutional provision. Oh, okay. So one of the provisions in the Constitution, which is actually very curious, is whenever we're ever in a in any session, we have to make it available to the public. Okay. So the open meeting law is a little ancient in the sense that the open meeting law is that you have to be open because this is the Constitution. It's an old document. So if you if we're having a session at four in the morning, you're welcome to come see us. Uh, mind you, we have metal detectors now, which when I first started, there was no metal detectors or any of the security you see today. But yeah, if it's four in the morning, you have every right to sit in the gallery and watch whatever is going or not going on at the time. And now with the internet, you know, we do have that ability for public to watch or not watch. I think she may be referring to public hearings and executive sessions. You know, and public hearings or executive sessions are driven by the joint rules. Okay. They're not subject to conventional open meeting laws because they're not a decision-making situation meaning that um, there's no final decision. When we're in session, that is the final decision of the body. When we take And that is open to the public, yeah. That is open to the public. Yeah. If she's trying to daylight, for example, um, I'm not clear exactly what she's daylight, but let's say she's trying to daylight um, my office uh, decisions regarding uh, my staff. Let's say a staffing decision, and uh, that should be subject to open meeting law, a uh, no. Um, my internal staffing decisions are my staffing decisions, yeah. including workload, scheduling, you know, uh, planning our different vacation days. We're a small office. We can't take vacation at the same time. Uh, those who work in small groups understand that. Uh, we actually have Even to- private comp- corporations are like that in the private sector too. Yeah. yeah, if you work in a small group, you understand what I'm talking about. I mean, we can't just renew these vacations. We actually have to inform each other about our vacation uh, times, including myself. Uh, should ensure that the office is smoothly running uh, no matter what. Um, and I'm very thankful for my staff because we're willing to uh, cover for each other in the sense that if someone's on vacation or someone's very ill or family's very ill, you know, people are willing to step up to uh, provide cover uh, for meetings or uh, discussions or writing a memo or mm-hmm. you know, joining me in a leadership meeting or you know covering a public hearing. Um, you know, to help, you know, folks out in the office. I'm very, very thankful, very fortunate to have a staff like that. Yeah. So, um, so I'm not exactly clear exactly what in open meal, but I'm going to suspect it's it's uh, so-called executive decisions that's probably outside the purview of standard work. For example, um, you can have executive sessions at a board of selectmen, for those of you who are from towns, mm-hmm. you can have executive session board of selectmen to discuss sensitive issues regarding personnel. Yep. Yeah. School committees do the same thing. Um, um, any kind of board for a public uh, body, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can close the session to the public for sensitive information. So, for example, let's say it's a HIPAA issue or yeah. there is um, misconduct issues that the board of selectmen is trying to investigate. You know, they can close the executive session. That's, mm-hmm. that's perfectly legal. Um, we do that in the ethics especially the state ethics uh, committee, I'm sorry, uh, com- uh, joint committee on ethics, or actually the House and Senate, there's no joint committee, House and Senate Committee on Ethics, you know, requires uh, members to sign non-disclosure agreements 
uh, under pains and pedigree of law, as well as they can have uh, closed sessions regarding investigations regarding certain system members matters. You know, uh, individual committees can choose to close executive session. Um, we don't because I don't see a reason. My committee has to close executive session um, to the public, so we don't. But conference committees uh, are closed to executive session public. There is a provision in joint rules that uh, requires a vote of the majority of the conference committee to close executive uh, close the conference committee to the public. It's inside the okay. joint rules, uh, but it's not subject to open meeting law because once again, it is not a final deliberation. Final deliberation of all bills are on the floor, and the Constitution requires us to be open to the public. Is always been my understanding. It's going to be interesting to see because, uh, as you know, the auditor was once a state rep and a state senator, so she knows how both chambers function. Maybe. We'll see. I mean, yeah, I know I'm being mean. Uh, everybody is different. Not all of us are in the same in the building, and everybody has different priorities and different approaches and different knowledge bases of how the place works. I am somewhat unique because I have worked in both branches, and at the time, as I kind of pointed out, things were much more hands-on in my early days in the mm -hmm. Senate. Um, you know, I was a runner, for example, at uh, 1.2. I mean, everybody in the Morrissey staff was a runner. You had to run up and down the paper to the chamber. A call was made from the chamber. You call the office. You need a runner. So, you know, all of us took turns, you know, running, literally running to the chamber uh, with paper. Uh, so, uh, you know, everyone's got different experience. The institutional knowledge of the state house is actually pretty important. Because people work in going, assuming that the world is a very human behavior. You figure you're there and everything starts with you in the sense that, you know, my world begins here. Well, it's our world, not your world. And uh, it's like a lot of workplaces, not just about me, but it's about us. And the institutional knowledge of the place gives you transfer information from one generation to the next about how our world works. And of course, you can change the world. It's not like it doesn't change. But you do have some knowledge of how we got here, and then you can make changes based on how you know how we got here, and then change does occur. Right, so right. You see how uh, the odd state auditor uh, knowledge base is now uh, regarding this, and I'm actually very curious about her legal team. Um, does she mm -hmm. going to hire outside counsel? And uh, you know, just to let you all know, this is actually interesting timing as well because uh, she has to come before the House and Senate Ways and Means Committee chairs in a public hearing and answer the committee's questions. Including <laughs> her investigation or audit into those committees. Yeah. She, they have absolute right to do that because the public has a right to know how she is spending her money. And the Ways and Means Committees has every right to know to ask her how she's spending her monies. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, See how this pans out for sure. Well, again, um, you know, control the purse strings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about um, the governor's plan to uh, offer some reduced MBTA fares, uh, Tacky, for for low income riders. Yeah, I mean, we, people are aware that you know, senior citizen discount as well as student discount has been around for a long time. Th these are not new things, and during pandemic, there were additional uh, fare discounts, which most people weren't riding the T. Be honest with the pandemic, right? I mean, the ridership was very low. You all know you're inside a metal tube with a bunch of people. You don't know where they were, where they were. So obviously a lot of nervousness associated during the uh, pre-vaccine era. Um, again, this is uh, down to a funding issue and sustainability, right? I mean, Mayor Wu is going to find out very, very quickly soon because the opera money is running out very, very quickly because there's a deadline for spending. You know, on her so-called free bus lines uh, that she's had, and she's going to run out of dough. And mm -hmm. this is, uh, as you all know, the T's got a lot of problems and revenue is one of them. 
as well as you know the construction and capital costs and manpower. And I'm still thoroughly convinced. And maybe uh, the auditor's uh, investigation of the MBTA may show that because there's another place she's going to audit that the administration is using contractors, the prior administration is using contractors as opposed to hiring employees to demonstrate a reduction of budget. Not an uncommon practice, even in government, where you try to show that you have uh, re- cost reduction in employees by replacing them with con- contractors, which would be temporary. Mm-hmm. Which is why, which, well, you have a thousand person labor shortage. How does that happen? And the place hasn't totally demolished. It's because your contracting will work out, but they're all temporary because they're taking the contract money out of the capital budget. Okay. This is not an uncommon practice in government and the private sector, uh, but well, big private sector, right? Not little private sector. And uh, you talk to any sector of government, you know, somebody's trying to do this more than once in one place. I can, I remember more than one mayor in Quincy have done this uh, in the past. And uh, it was done at the Baker, uh, not the Baker administration, the Weld administration. We'll go back far back in time. Mass uh, Highway Department was pretty much all funded by bond money. Hmm. And it wasn't until the Deval Patrick administration that we finally decided we had to get it off the bond money and put them back on payroll because for every dollar we spent on bond money, on an employee, you know, you added the interest on top of that. So it actually costs taxpayers more money uh, to do so uh, because it's a salary plus benefits plus the interest. Yeah. It's actually yeah. cheap to have you on payroll than on contract. It's almost always more affordable to keep things in, in-house, as they say. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is also why we have the Pacheco law uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, requires the state auditor, again, back to the state auditor to uh, demonstrate, uh, to demonstrate, administration demonstrate to state auditor that, Contracting is actually cheaper than uh, putting people on payroll. So, I mean, this is not a new trick, as you can tell, I've been around a long time. Uh, and it's not just uniquely state government. If you poke around to any government and big businesses, I promise you, you're going to probably find the same same thing going on. Again, it, it hurts taxpayers in this instance, um, because, again, you're paying more uh, what should be a permanent employee. Uh, now you're paying a permanent, a temporary employee uh, who should be permanent plus interest, doing something a permanent employee should be doing. So we'll see if the auditor reveals that. I, I'm going to my gut. My gut tells me yes, it's going to hopefully show up. Uh, and secondly, you know, we're going to do subsidized uh, T fares. Well, someone's going to have to pay for that. It is no secret the T uh, revenue stream is very challenged. On top of everything else, that is no secret. Um, so I'm kind of curious how. Um, the governor intends to uh, provide uh, extra funding for subsidies. Well, uh, we have provided funding for the MBT before to try to close some of the funding gaps, uh, one-time assistance uh, to try to keep fares, you know, from going too high, but also try to you know offset some of their operational costs because I think over thirty percent of their costs is debt-driven. Yeah, could the um, money from the millionaires tax uh, help with that, Jackie? Yeah, the very broad term of transportation, it could be okay. used for that, uh, education, transportation, very broad terms. That being said, I mean, the, the uh, uh, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to probably do a set aside. I think we're going to set aside the money. We're probably going to put the money into a separate trust. Um, honestly, I don't care what anyone said their projections was doing those TV commercials. You don't know until you actually know in real life what's actually going to happen. It's true. Yeah. This is why we set aside the casino money in a separate trust. Because we didn't know. Oh, speaking of, uh, Friday, we start uh, mobile betting, right? Like it yeah, it's Friday. It goes, into, goes live, yeah. Well, you saw, saw the DraftKings commercial. If I get one more DraftKings commercial coming at me. 
I'd see, you know, Kevin Hart's a great actor, but enough already. <laughs> YouTube, my podcasts, um, constantly on any news segment. Um, again, we all know that marketing is now targeted advertising. The algorithms uh, and the future of AI, when algorithm is a type of AI, it's not, convent, you know, modern AI, we think, of, but it's a kind of type of AI, you know, the, the, tick, the hitting a specific audience. Um, you know, I've, and I'll be honest, I've sports gambled. I pick up a ticket or two when I was in Vegas, but it's far and few between. Um, and uh, it's not like a regular habit. I didn't bet on the Super Bowl. I probably should have took, I probably should have took, uh, <laughs> probably should have. Bet against the Eagles. I was thinking the Eagles might not be able to win this, but I think a lot of Patriots fans bet against the Eagles. Yeah, yeah I probably should have got on that train, but um, but whatever. Um, so I mean, get ready. Uh, I do expect like everything arose out for the first time. There will be some issues uh, as they iron it out. I don't ever expect perfection on the first try. So, uh, but I mean, this is a very exciting time for uh, people in Massachusetts to uh, engage in um, sports betting uh, from the comfort of your living room couch. The biggest question I have is uh, how are these apps going to determine that you're in Massachusetts when you're, when you're betting? I mean, isn't that one of the requirements? Well, welcome to the intrusive nature of Big Brother, folks. Oh. <laughs> so you have your, obviously, IP addresses. People know about internet protocol addresses that determine what internet server you're using. And I've inquired a passport using virtual protocol networks, VPNs, to bounce out. But they'll know you're a VPN because they won't be able to track you back to your original computer. Oh, all right. So they will, they will, they will know where you are then when you're doing that. Oh, they do know, folks. Your, uh, your little... Little rectangular device uh, gives out a lot of information, and that includes geographic geo geographic location via your IP addresses, and you know, and if the app has a uh, GPS component, it most definitely know where you are. Okay, and so is there a provision that it would not allow you to cast a bet if you were not in the state? Oh yes, yeah, you have to be inside Massachusetts, otherwise you run into all kinds of commerce clause issues to start with, and every state has different laws regarding gambling. So right. even if you're using a mobile app, uh, let's say you're let's say you're allowed to vote across state lines, and you're in a state that prohibits sports betting, you can be arrested for betting in Massachusetts from another state because the physical act occurred in another state. Which is why you know before you know this expansion of sports betting, you actually had to be physically in Nevada, physically in Atlanta to do it. You couldn't call in your bet because the location you're calling from is illegal. You can be arrested in the origin of where you place the call. Yeah. I don't know that that has been made perfectly clear to a lot of people. <laughs> well, this is uh, the old wire act uh, regarding uh, sports, uh, any kind of wagering over telephones that required that two states must have the same law regarding wagering for that call to be legal. Uh, that law has been challenged by the Department of Justice and does not apply to sports wagering over internet devices because the wire act specifically says telephone oh okay all right and well, the modern era we kind of interpret it is, it is a telephone it's it's all more than that but it is a telephone the media matters right is the internet it's not considered a telephone it's look i know it's very splitting hairs here depending on how you want to approach this issue you can approach it very broadly saying telephone means telecom device anything about telecommunications you know, that's how it's been read for many years by the courts. Then, you know, I narrowed down to the fact that it has to be a specific type of medium to make these calls. 
And that's why we have uh, mobile sports betting today. But again, it's within state lines because the Wire Act is still a bit hairy. And there's also the law that actually results in um, illegal online gambling, you know, your internet gambling for money uh, that is illegal. You know, it's how Department of Justice, uh, you know, gets um, uh, unlicensed, illegal uh, sports, uh, any kind of gambling, actually, not sports, any kind of gambling online. And most of these uh, businesses are loaded in, 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 in Antigua. Not surprising, there was no extradition between the U.S. and there, and you basically pay off the government to have your illegal, well, well, it depends what's well, illegal in Antigua, but it's illegal in Massachusetts, right, you know, right. uh, online casino games, uh, because the uh, Antiguan government's not going to prosecute, uh, prosecute the um, the owner's machines in Antigua, and of course, you know, loans are paying the Antigua government their fees and taxes, they're going to say nothing, and there's no extradition. So, but we've had uh, people actually come out of those places to test the Wire Act law, and uh, yeah, they went to jail. So, uh, but this was a real uh, change uh, from um, the last decade on this stuff. And again, this is kind of a moving target on the federal law issue and the Wire Act. But originally, uh, in case you're wondering, it was uh, not sports betting. It was originally designed for it was designed for horse racing. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. Sure. Because telephones were around much longer than what we have now, right? Yeah, the idea that, you know, because horse racing is not a year long, year long sport uh, and it's very seasonal that, you know, you could, you know, let's say you want to call Saratoga mm -hmm. uh, when Downs wasn't running, you know, call Saratoga to put a bet in, you know, that was illegal. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, any progress on the state budget discussions we should talk about? Um, actually, let me back up one second, back to the previous topic. It's illegal. Let's just say you can do it. So if you allow phone betting in Massachusetts, then you can do that in Saratoga. Just to clarify, so if Massachusetts allow phone betting, you can mm -hmm. use a phone bet, then you could do that to Saratoga because you're allowed phone betting because it's legal in Saratoga. Yeah, if it's yeah, it's weird because if if you're allowed phone bet, the wire act, if you allow if you allow people to bet by phone, then it's okay. Okay, it's the nation that receiving it's okay. I know it's weird, but it's a fence. Just leave it at that. So uh, back to your budget question. So. Yes. Um, we are now meeting with Ways and Means chairs. Uh, right now, I am uh, in the process of preparing my documentation for the House Chair Aaron Merkowitz for a meeting in person uh, later this month. Uh, as part of the chair of the committee I'm on, uh, we have reached out to our uh, uh, executive branch folks that we have uh, regular business with to find out what the budget requests are and why. And uh, you know, we'll provide that information to Ways and Means. Uh, once we go through our conversations, uh, doing this more than once now, you know, I kind of know what these agencies do, which kind of helps. Um, and then I'm um, actually trying to get my meeting of Secretary Yvonne Howe, who's now the new Secretary of Economic Development, you know, to uh, to talk about the myriad of agencies under her purview that, you know, that I engage with on a pretty regular basis. And, you know, talk about, you know, how I look at things. And uh, those of you know, uh, this particular topic matter is something I have 20 plus years of experience in. And I've seen many changes of many changed names and many secretaries and many commissioners and many division heads and so forth and so forth. To the point I can't remember who's who anymore. Uh, so I look forward to, you know, seeing now Secretary Howe and, um, you know, go through uh, her priorities and my thoughts on this and that. And I'm still working towards trying to get a meeting with the governor herself. Uh, to uh, talk about um, what's going on in her world and also, you know, interest in it, that impacts Quincy, uh, as well as uh, position as a committee chair and also doing Asian caucus stuff. 
Um, and same thing with the Attorney General. So try to get these in-person meetings in place with the um, with these constitutional officers. And as you can imagine, scheduling is uh, not easy. People are always under this false impression that I can just walk into the governor's office and willy-nilly at will and just pop in on it. It doesn't work that way. No, they're being pulled in many directions, I'm sure. So you need to slide yourself in there at some point. Any, yeah, um, very patient. As you all know, I'm pretty patient about this stuff. Any specific line items for your district, Techie, you want to talk about? Uh, not too much. Obviously, we're working on earmarks again, co- you know, working with John Keene as well as uh, Speaker Mariano and Bruce Ayers to try to coordinate a little bit about where earmarks go. We don't want to double up. You don't double up. You gotta. Everyone's got to make sure they got their their own thing so everybody's not doubling the work up. Um, that, that's just inefficient. <laughs> so there's always a little bit of coordination going on. Um, and I think mental health will be a big uh, conversational piece again this year, um, you know, regarding, you know, more services on that level. Uh, I don't think there will be a lot of big surprises in this year's budget. Um, I think a lot of the budget issues will be addressing inflationary costs uh, that we're facing. I do think one of the things that we're going to try to work towards, and we've talked about this already more than once, is regarding universal school lunches. Um, oh, sure. We're, we're probably going to have to talk more about working towards in the budget where we can bake that in as part of the budget forever, um, whether it's doable. Um, I'm going to think SNAP program expansions can be very challenging to do. Um, and I know it doesn't stay consistent because it, you know, people get on and off and on and off mm-hmm. program. So it's not like it's steady, steady numbers. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. I know there's going to be a big, big push for that. Um, as you can imagine, advocates have already started um, emailing in. I expect constituents on the mailing list serve that they're on is going to be next. I'm getting these bulk mails coming soon regarding the budget. Um, so, but I mean, the budget you've seen the news uh, for this fiscal cycle prior is not as robust as the prior fiscal year. So, 2023 uh, budget as wasn't as robust as 2022, but we all admit 2022 was an abnormality that was not the norm. So we're not surprised, but we're still running strong ahead of uh, ahead of schedule for uh, 2023, ahead of tax day. And uh, but I also expect things like car sales not to be that hot. Uh, interest rates are high, uh, and uh, car certain cars are still having certain problems on on manufacturing. Uh, some models are more available than others, and certain uh, discounts have occurred. You saw the Tesla discount, and there's a lot of reasons why they did that, a little more complicated, but I mean, the F1 electric, Ford F1 electric vehicle was uh, delayed because of manufacturing problems. So you have this kind of like convergence of some supply issues, but also uh, high interest rates. And uh, you're gonna see used car demand go up again, like it did two years ago. Um, So um, I'm fully anticipating some shortfalls regarding um, things like car sales. Uh, on the flip side, I still think sales tax is going to be very strong, sales and meals tax, because of inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation is coming down, although most of us don't, I don't think I'm seeing it myself. I mean, the big data says yes, but I go to the market, I'm like, you guys, I'm like, I don't see this falling. Um, gas prices. No, it's like, you know, $8 for half and half or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, we see a, a decline in um, the big macro data. But I mean, you know, you and me going to the market at CVS or whatever, it's like, I'm not seeing this. Um, so, I mean, that's the sales taxes driven by uh, high prices, sales and meals taxes. And uh, if those prices actually go down, sales and meals tax does go down with it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, we don't know when that's going to happen. And right. uh, 
as I said before, I mean, you know, the high interest rates will slow down home sales. Um, people try to decide if um, they want to sell because a big mass sale occurred right at the end of COVID. Uh, as people decided that, you know, they want to move on or they're going to retire and cash out their house because who knows how much time you have on earth. Given the time period we were in, people figured to go enjoy the retirement um, as opposed to kind of waiting it out. And prices were very high in 2022. Actually, 2021 in particular, um, going to 2020, just sweep a lot of cash out in early 2022. So I don't know how this is going to play out. I mean, a 2024 budget has a lot of question marks. As we talked about the the the, uh, the millionaires tax, so-called, not sure what it's going to look like. Gaming revenue is strong, but again, it's a cycler business. Um, depending on people's pockets, determines their ability to generate extra revenue for us. Marijuana, the same way. Prices have gone down in marijuana because supply is now caught up. So we had a huge marijuana revenue revenue uh, numbers because marijuana prices were very high in the stores and it's starting to come down a bit because competition is increasing and supply is finally keeping up with demand a little, well, it's getting there. And, you know, mm-hmm. the marijuana revenue will, um, will come down because inflated prices will come down. Then, yeah, it gets offset by volume. The more you have, you know, obviously you're going to get some tax uh, equalization. But, you know, when you have hyper, hyper high price structure of the tax, you know, as the hit goes down, the tax revenue goes down too. So, yeah. And it looks like the Fed is not done raising rates yet. So, that's no. Yeah, fully expect another rate rate uh, rate increase next week. Uh, I don't. I think CPI numbers, uh, consumer price index numbers, will be um, tough again. I don't think it's going to be nine percent, but I mean, don't be surprised if it's in the sixes. Mm-hmm. Uh, unemployment uh, data is coming out. I think this Friday or so, uh, with the lowest unemployment rate since before World War II. Uh, so it's like three point four. Don't be surprised it doesn't go up. Um, it stays very, very low. And we just talked a little bit before that we started this call here uh, that uh, open jobs on a national level is about 10.6 plus million jobs are still open. People, that's how many jobs need to be filled and we don't have 10.6 million people to fill them. Right. Yeah, so demand is outpacing supply, yeah. Yeah, and then if that's the case, wages go up because the employee the employees dictate the price. And it's it's not in the big white collar world that's driving it. It's Main Street workers. Yeah, hospitality, leisure, uh, you know, that those sectors are, are coming back um, after the pandemic. Yeah, travel is up. Um, yeah. I'm sure some people are planning their vacations now. I know gas prices are high, airline prices are high because of fuel, but it's not discouraging people from flying. Hotels are finally filling up again. It took a long time for hotels, but Airbnb is strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Airbnb is very strong uh, compared to hotels, but hotels are now catching up. And places like Disney World and other destinations um, like Vegas, Disney World, um, you know, even the National Park Service is going to see a huge spike uh, right after uh, Memorial Day. They're getting ready again for a mass amount of travel. Uh, international travel has been picked up, particularly to Europe. I know more than one friend has gone to Europe um, for vacation. Um, and of course, graduation season. As you all know, Massachusetts is an education destination. We have like 60 to 100,000 students, depending on how you want to do the math, uh, that attend Massachusetts schools. Uh, many of them are not in state. Mm-hmm. And there's a mass migration again, um, starting you know, in June, you know, 
May, uh, April, May, June, July, as migration students start to move in and out. And uh, Massachusetts will be a destination for families as part of graduation season. They're going to come and uh, hopefully spend the money up here. International travel is still a big issue, uh, particularly for us, because we're an international city in terms of taking money from overseas. And the U.S. dollar being so strong hurts us because they can't spend as much money if you're coming from another country to the U.S. because their currency is so weak. Right. Good for us traveling to their country, but not, not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, uh, a strong dollar hurts uh, our ability to import, um, actually export, because people have to spend more stuff on our goods when we export, right. and it hurts us on importing tourists. Yep, exactly. I know you have to cut it short today, Techie, but uh, how do we get a hold of you if we need to? Sure, 617-722-2370, 617-722-2370. You know, definitely uh, hit, if you don't get reception, hit a button, you're going to get somebody. I am staffed. We are running around the building these days. I've been sending people to briefings around the building. Uh, and you always can email me at tacky.chan at mahouse.gov, T-A-C-K-E-Y dot C-H-A-N at mahouse.gov. Um, you know, I'm still getting a lot of emails. Uh, I'm frightful to see what comes in next now, given the volume. And uh, obviously, you got uh, State Representative uh, Tacky Chan at Facebook and uh, Tacky Chan at Twitter. Please do not social media me a message. Definitely call us in an email. And of course, melegislature.gov is the state website. Um, you can look up stuff there as well as attackingchan.org. And of course, at QATV, as me and Joe gives you our uh, Tacky Talk week of uh, hopefully uh, some insight on how things work behind the scenes. And, um, you know, and uh, we try to share a couple of laughs along the way, as we all know. Absolutely. You got to be able to smile once in a while, keep things light and still uh, and still uh, get business done. Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jackie. All right. I'll talk to you in a week's time.